Welcome to Shun and Flop Chibi, a first impressions mini episode where we talk about the first chapter of the series we'll be covering in depth next week. I'm Jordan, and with me today, as usual, is my co-host David. Say hi, David. Hi, David. What series are we covering this week, David? Oh man, can I get you a cranberry red sprite? Hey, that's right, everybody. We are reading Red Sprite. The Shonen Jump series created by Tomohiro Yagi, whose other works include Iron Knight, which lasted three volumes before this one. This one being a manga series that ran from August 29th, 2016, which is a day after my birthday. Oh, happy birthday! Thank you, David. Well, don't worry, you'll have a, a better episode to say that to me, too, pretty soon. But yeah, <laughs> August 29th, 2016 to November 28th, 2016, so it ended shortly after Trump got elected. Ugh, we were just not ready for a series like this in a post-Trump world. Oh, we, we were not, no. <laughs> it has 15 chapters going for two volumes, and yeah, let me get into the fucking plot summary. Somewhere in the Edenia borderlands, there is an abandoned church where a group of seven special children are raised and taught by their foster parent, Duran. After the discovery of a new and extremely powerful fossil fuel energy source known as Plasmero, the world was able to quickly revolutionize itself with electric vehicles such as cars, trains, and coolest of all, airships. One of the children, Tatsu Frampt, wants to be the captain of one as the kids all gather together to design an airship named the Sprite. However, they are interrupted when their orphanage is fucking bombed by the military, led by Lieutenant Colonel Shepard. Children, it turns out, were all modified by Shepard to be living plasmero batteries, built to produce far more energy than the ancient bones used in the past. In fact, the energy emitted by Mono, a new child at the orphanage, was so strong that Shepard was able to track them down. Most of the children are captured, but Duran is able to sacrifice himself to help Tatsu escape. Six years later, Shepard is using a fleet of human and Plasmero's slaves to power an airship parade when Tatsu reappears to save his friends. Now a superpower is gained by charging his nervous system with Plasmero energy. Shepard tells Tatsu that Mono is powering a giant tank called the Great Atlas before being killed by him. Tatsu then tells the Plasmero slaves that they have nothing to lose but their chains, and they all take off on a new stolen airship to bring about La Revolution! <laughs> So yeah, David, what'd you think about the first chapter? Mm. <laughs> the first thing that struck me is this is <laughs> another series where the art really doesn't fit the tone of the plot very well. You think? Yeah, it has this kind of kitty-like style, and then you see people being cut open, you see people being shot, kids being threatened, and this is really, like, again, like the Golem Hearts art style. It's like Hellwarden, where the, the Hellwarden art style just did not work for the type of story. Oh, I, I disagree, because I look at this, I don't see, um, I don't see those, I see One Piece. This is an extremely heavily One Piece influence. The main character is just completely Luffy. The plot is basically, like, what if One Piece was about communism? <laughs> Oh my god. I mean, it's the same idea where it has a long prologue chapter. 
like if you actually break down what happens in the first chapter, it is very similar to Romance Dawn, chapter one of One Piece. You know, you got like this older hero character who's helping out the main character who is a weak child who has like some kind of hidden powers. This really freaky looking bad guy shows up and causes like a ton of chaos. Years pass and then Luffy or whatever shows up again and displays his power. Of course, in, in One Piece, the creepy looking bad guy that slots in here is actually the giant fish. Yeah. So it's not a complete one-to-one, but I guarantee you this author had Romance Dawn open while he was writing this. Yeah. Shout out to Oda. I think Oda not letting Shanks die in the opening chapter really showed how Oda was really good. Like, that's one of my favorite things about One Piece is he lets the heroes actually, like, exist. Like, the fact that Gold Roger died, what was it, 20 years ago, was a very, very good sign that he knew what he was doing, because a lot of series wouldn't make Gold Roger's heir like 100 years ago, but literally Luffy's grandpa knew Gold Roger. And it's somewhat similar here, because, um, so they don't actually say who this guy is, but, like, at one point, Duran is like, yeah, I was also a Plasmero slave, and then I was saved by this guy, who, he doesn't directly say it, but he may as well just say, yeah, that's your dad. Yeah, uh, so that's actually one of my guesses about his dad, but we'll definitely get into that. But overall, I I do like the aesthetic and style. It's definitely a creative setting, at least for manga. I mean, we've seen stuff like this before, but Electron Punk is definitely one of the lesser used punks. And I also like how the children actually act like children in the prologue. They don't just act like mini adults and that the guy actually legitimately tries to teach them instead of just being a juxtaposition excuse. I mean, it it still was pretty juxtaposition heavy. Like, I think a lot of this didn't need to be in the first chapter. Well, Dave, a juxtaposition is not not always a bad thing. It isn't. As someone who went to art school, I think the word you're looking for is incongruity. I was actually, by the way, when I said juxtaposition, I meant exposition. Oh, exposition. Yeah. Oh, God, yes. yes. Let me try this again. Sorry, okay. this series had a fuck ton of exposition where they just God, dumped yes. a ton of information and we are way, way, way not at the point where I remotely cared. I was just kind of scrolling through it waiting for the plot because holy shit, it's like imagine, again, like if One Piece, if they told you about like the warlords or the devil fruits in the first chapter and like the rules behind them. And I'm like, dude, I don't even know if I care about this character yet. The issue here is that it is like a, essentially a kindergarten classroom where uh, Duran is teaching them. And it just so happens at this exact moment, right before they get bombed, Duran Duran gives them a lesson that just happens to explain to us, the audience, everything that we need to know about the situation, you know? It is the exact lesson that we need shortly before they are attacked. It just feels extremely convenient and very transparent as to what the author is doing. It would almost be better if it was just straight up a narration, you know, where they were like, here's the future and now we found Plasmero. Like, I don't even really dislike his explanation of it, it's just the timing and the convenience just felt extremely blatant and very strange. They also don't explain where Mono came from and how kids are added, because they said they were rescued from the science experiment, but they don't actually say how new kids are added to the school. What I interpreted from it is that Duran escaped and he was able to save these seven children. No, no, no. Because they very explicitly say that Mono is a new addition to the school, and that's how they were able to find the school. So where did Mono come from? Because clearly Mono wasn't part of the initial batch that he mm. saved. Maybe it wasn't an initial batch. Maybe he's been working to save the seven, but yeah, they don't go into that. They could have established that. Though. I mean, they might. Maybe instead of uh, having the exposition, they could have maybe explained that briefly. Yeah. But also, um, you mentioned how they felt like kids. I really did like that. You have these little kids sitting around trying to come up with what's going to be on an airship. And what are kids going to come up with? 
they're going to come up with like drills and bazookas and movie theaters. And what I also really liked was that Mono comes up with a bath and a potty. Yeah. And then Captain Tatsu was like, oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> it would suck if we had to hold it in while <laughs> flying around for months and months. It's so good. Really cute, actually. That's what I appreciate is series that actually have kids talk like kids instead of just dumb adults. Yeah. Because there's definitely a sense of creativity and a lack of critical thinking that's applied in intelligence that's very unique to people that are kids, especially at this age. Like, they're not thinking about the things that you would need. They're thinking about the things that are fun and the things that they think of when they think of what they like about an airship. I still love that description how JoJo fights sound like two kids in a fictional fight and they keep inventing ways to one-up each other. <laughs> where they're just like, oh, I block my sword with your shield. They're like, oh, I have an anti match magic sword and you're like ah not so fast though because my shield has an anti-magic shield sword enchantment and so it turns into an axe so i reflect your attack the white album fight in part five is the quintessential here's additional bullshit to prevent your bullshit because araki i guess was like oh i need this to last an extra two chapters because that fight had like at least three points where it could have just ended I just remember that fight ending in a surprisingly brutal way, oh, you know? yeah. He gets impaled by bullets and Mista just keeps shooting himself. And that, that, that fight really didn't make a ton of sense, but it was cool. Uh, you know, it's part five. I got mixed views on that, but yeah. We all have mixed feelings on part five. Well, except for people who just flat out love it and think we're all dumb for having the issues with part five, but whatever, I, know, right? I have issues with those people, so who fucking cares? So there you go. Jordan has problems with Italians. He heard it here first. Ugh. By the way, speaking of Italians, this was a ripoff of Fire Force. Is Fire Force Italian? No, I just, I I didn't have a good okay. segue, so I okay, just okay. Okay. talk about Chuck's <laughs> position. But yeah, I thought this was a Godspeed where it's just like a really similar plot, but no, uh, Fire Force came out a full year before this did. So the idea of let's make everyone's powers based on like one fundamental element definitely existed. You know, it definitely has things that don't overlap, but I am going to dangerously worry that this is going to be very much a ripoff of Fire Force. I'm not quite as familiar with Fire Force, but hey, who knows? It might become fucking blatant. Oh, dude, you gotta, you gotta read Fire Force, man. I've seen like uh, the first few episodes, so I do know what you're talking about. By the way, also, uh, this ripped off the Matrix idea of using people as batteries, which in the Matrix didn't make sense and still doesn't make here. I really hope they explain why it has to be people because I don't know why you couldn't just modify like a cow. Oh, I think it makes a lot more sense here at least, or at least I'm willing to suspend my disbelief because they've introduced magic sci-fi bullshit. Like in the Matrix, it didn't work because they sort of implied that um, humans naturally produce that much electricity here. Yeah. It's like, oh no, we modified these people or they're special and we change things about them. The reason why they really did it is it's a metaphor for capitalism, David. It's a metaphor for the workforce. It's a metaphor for like uh, how corporations and business leaders bleed their workers dry and how we all must band together to throw off our shackles for a specter is haunting Edenia, the specter of communism. But yeah, I was really not expecting this to just be a full-blown like hard left communist plot. I thought that was kind of cool. Man, this is definitely the more communist of the two manga we've read for Shonen Flop that had the word red in their name. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I was I was fully <laughs> expecting the other one to be like uh, fully Soviet and that one wasn't very communist at all. Yeah, I'm still reading it though. I also did like how they um, have like a creepy body horror element mm -hmm. where they uh, found a battery being used to charge a plane and they open it up and there's just like this torso of a dude who looks like a zombie. It's, it's really funny 
freaky, but I, I also do think that the art style didn't make it freaky enough. It's one of those things where the art style is the reason why this is okay as Shonen, because this definitely could have been much heavier if it had more realistic art style. Uh, I do also want to throw out one of the immediate issues I have with uh, this chapter is that um, Lieutenant Colonel Shepard isn't not a transphobic depiction. What do you mean? Oh, well, you know, Lieutenant Colonel Shepard shows up. The whole thing is like, oh, it's so grotesque. He looks very feminine. He's got like a uh, lipstick on. He's like, hey, kids, I'm your mama. And there is a little bit of the, the gay panic horror there a little bit. Oda does this a little bit too. He's better about it now, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's not like so awful, but it is. It's there. It's definitely there. Yeah. Okay, I can see what you mean. It doesn't ruin it for me, and it definitely feels like Shepard... Shepard! Rex. <laughs> it definitely feels like Shepard is uh, not going to show up again after this anyway, so... Yeah, he pretty clearly <laughs> dies. Pretty clearly dies, much like the bandit in the first chapter of One Piece, by the way. This is just One Piece all over again. If you're going to rip off a manga, I mean, hey... <laughs> there are definitely worse things you could rip off. Although maybe not... Like, like people are going to immediately catch you if you mm-hmm. rip off One Piece, which is kind of the big issue, I guess. But yeah, I think that's good for a first impression. So, David, what do you think is going to happen next? All right, here are my three guesses. My first one is someone who joins a team has magnetism powers. The second one is the main character's dad was a scientist who worked on the project. In bonus points, if his mom died trying to save him from the project. Oh, of course. And then the series is going to talk about how the electric power people have shortened lifespans like an unnecessarily large number of times. The series, at the very least, implies that that is the case quite a few times. They frequently have them saying, oh, Shepard, you're going to drain all your living human batteries to death. And then like you find the guy who's pretty much almost dead and people are used as slaves for their Mm -hmm. work because that's how it works we're all wage anyway (laughs) but yeah no so i definitely see what you're talking about yeah how about you uh so my guess is where the children's parents were exposed to some event that made their genes special there's like a throwaway line at some point where um duran said that his goal was to save uh, a certain group of people's children yeah like the obvious implication being that the people who saved duran were the people whose children he's going to save therefore the people yeah you get it so my idea is that the reason why these children all happened to be uh, modified were because their parents were involved in some kind of event that did something to them you know mm-hmm. my next guess is that tatsu's dad is the legendary king of the kami air pirates or whatever Again, basically just a direct implication. And then the series goes for 14 chapters, I think. So I think that most of the series will be spent saving Mono, and then we'll get like a bunch of kids saved in the last chapter very like uh, unsatisfyingly. The first chapter just kind of feels like a last chapter where he just defeats the bad guy super quickly and saves everyone. That's about the pacing of an average last chapter of these kind of series. Yeah, more or less. The end of the first chapter is him building up his army of, you know, uh, anarchists. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So, David, would you read another 10 chapters of this? I think this is the first case where I would say no. I was like, man, this was not that great. Eh, That's fair. Really not that excited by where it's going to go, because I've already read Fire Force in one piece. I would read 10 more chapters of it. I'm interested to see where it's going, because it seems like it's trying to do something a little bit more political than the typical manga, like more so than some of the other manga that we've talked about it ripping off. You know, like one piece, I would never call a political manga. This is definitely at the very least trying to do something in addition to just ripping off one piece. And I would at least, I'm at least interested interested in seeing how it's going to go about it. Mm, Understandable. 
Have a nice day. Thank you. Thank you. You too, David. <laughs> Have a great week. Oh, I will. Oh, thank you. Or, no, you're welcome. What? I'm confused. I'm sorry, guys. Power really word. Tired. What's your power word, buddy? Oh, my power word is red, baby. Like, we got the red sprite. These guys have a little red book written by a guy named Karl Marx and his best friend, Angles. This is, this is a very red series. Nice. I like it. How about you? I just changed mine, but I changed mine to resistor. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, I was like, ooh, a communist terms have to do with electricity. And I was like, ah, there we go. That just reminded me of uh, somebody took a bunch of little resistors and shaped it into this little dude with his fist up. And it was like, viva la resistance. <laughs> I'm looking forward to whatever our art is going to be for this. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm excited. It's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, for sure. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm good to move into the Q&A. Let's do it, friend. All right. We've got some uh, classic QAers. And as always, if anyone listening would like to send us a question, you are more than welcome to either tweet us at Flopcast, email us at shoutandflopcast at gmail.com, or join our Discord and post in the Q&A section. We always love to have some friendly faces in the Discord and some people asking questions that haven't yet. So... First one comes from the always terrific Hassan. I'm excited that we might go see him in March, Jordan. So looking forward to that. That'll be rad. He said actually he might take work off. So that's how much like how excited oh, he is. Oh, fuck yeah. That's always the worst when you visit someone they don't take work off and you're like, uh. I, I totally get it though. So he's asked, what flop that you've covered would have the best chance at being great with hindsight and gain skill and maturity of the offer? So essentially, if the offer really got his shit together and redid the idea, what series would have been the best for that? I got to go with our blood oath because really? the thing about our blood oath is that most of it was decent but bland and then it just had one or two really good parts it had a couple fantastic moments i really feel like if the author had improved his work more and and gotten better at like pacing and introducing more interesting environments for one they use like the same environment three times i, I think that that series could have been really good i got you I actually would say Hellwarden, where we talked mm. about that a lot, where that's a series that had a really interesting nugget of an idea and the author just didn't handle it. So I think this was, that was author's first series. I think if that was like his second or third series and he had really spent like one or two years working on a manga and then made this, I think it really could have been something really interesting. I agree. I, I think that Hellwarden Higuma definitely could have been a better series. It was, the, it was definitely a series that had salvageable ideas. Yep. That was a really great question. Next question is from T. Wolfwood, and he asks... Would you ever do a tier list ranking all the series you covered in the show? I think that might be fun. I don't know how well we could do video content. Like, you know, some people just do that where we have a screen, we record it. Maybe we'll talk to Nicole. But yeah, it'd be fun to break it down to S tier, A tier. We have our first series where we will substantially have to debate where it goes. Oh, yeah, that's going to be fun. Thank you, Jordan, for having the wrong opinion on I Tell C. Where you hey, man, and two to one. Okay, two to one. Democracy wins. Every, we, were, we were correct. You every were other person I've talked to about I Tell C didn't think I Tell C was good. <laughs> You just, you just know people with bad opinions. All right. I'm um, sorry. Well, you can take it to the Discord and see who agrees with you, because so far no one in the Discord has. Yeah, for some reason our Discord is just filled with people with bad opinions. Yeah, like you. Yeah. Oh. Got him. But yeah, I actually have like a, a tier list that I made like a while yeah. ago that is incredibly out of date now, but it's probably got like a little over half of the stuff we've covered at this point. But yeah, that would be a fun thing to do. Yeah. Thank you. Next question is you're, from- you're, You know what, David? You're welcome. I was thinking uh, T-Wolf for the question, but okay. Oh. Xylon asks our next question. What's the next series that you might consider a special recommended episode and why is it Magu-chan? And also Agpa asked a similar question, so I don't know if we want to do both, but you can decide. Would you do any rec episodes for a series not currently running, but don't have the legacy or fame that it really deserves? I know like how Jordan, you talked about 666 Satan at one point. 
I do want to clarify with 666 Satan. Uh, I have not gone back. I do not know if it is actually a good series. I just remember enjoying it as a kid, which doesn't mean much for me because, you know, kids have bad taste. Yep. I just remember thinking, wow, they really just made a series called 666 Satan, didn't they? That's awesome. <laughs> By the twin brother of the guy who made Naruto. Yeah. That'd be interesting to look at again. Do like a Shonen Flop legacy. Yes. <laughs> but Magu-chan, I haven't read too much of Magu-chan, but what I have read is fucking great. My concern Magu-chan is actually, I think it's starting to get too famous. Like it's got official merch now. Mm, sold out. Yeah, it's a little too big. Yeah, I... We're hipster podcast. Yeah, I can't imagine it being more than six months out from an anime adaption at this point. And we really just did Chainsaw Man because we wanted to do it before the anime got announced. Plus because that's the entire conceit of our show. Yeah, Sakamoto Days we talked about. So that I think is actually probably a strong Ooh. contender. Maybe Red Riding Hood if it actually picks up in quality right now. I think it's like a 7 out of 10, but I could see it getting better or worse. So that would be fun, actually, if we did a preview and then we did it. But we'll see. Maybe something that we do a preview on, we'll be like, wow, we really, really like this. Why don't we check back in, in you know, in 20 chapters and really see where it's gone? And then if we still like it, then we can do a rec. But for right now, I don't think we have any recs on the horizon, but I do want to say Magu-chan slaps. I am a little worried because it's not like the main point of our show, I just so I just don't want to do too many of them. Yeah, at most we would do maybe two or three a year. And it's really just gotta be something special. Like High School Family, that that was a very, very special series to us. It has to be like a special series. Yeah, which know? I think Mashal, Mashal was just a really fun read. And that was definitely yeah. before Mashal got big. Oh yeah, we were in on the ground floor. We were on like chapter 18 or something, I think, of Mashal. Well, I'm trying to catch up on Mashal because I'm behind. Mashal, you're right, Mashal is continuing to get better. Yeah, Mashal, the author was like, fuck, I actually have to start trying and he actually does. Yeah. Because <laughs> he really can draw very well when he wants to. Is he drawing or did he get a second artist? Is that all him? As far as I know, it's been him. Remember, remember like the scorpion in the forest and that was extremely well drawn. You can tell when he tries, he actually is a very talented artist. Damn, good for him. I mean, look, when he quote unquote wasn't trying, his art was still fucking great. Yeah. It's more that he realized shit, I have to do a more serious tone, which means I have to make things more detailed and a little more solidly rendered. And he's doing it. Shit, I, I don't know if he just practiced really hard or if he was just like, okay, now I really have to buckle down, but motherfucker's doing it. <laughs> Sounds good to me. And then the next question is from the always terrific Victor. Hey, Victor. And this one is, can Noah from Golden Harps beat Steven Universe with the power of friendship? Ooh. This is like the Kid Goku versus Spider-Man debate, where it's like, at what point in Steven Universe are you having this at? Because the other thing is, Golem Hearts lasted a very short time. We didn't get too much detail into Noah's powers. I don't even super remember what they were. And Steven Universe has been going on so long. And I mean, it, it ended like two years ago, but... Yeah, I only got like halfway through the series. But um, I would imagine Steven Universe had built up enough power to defeat Noah by the end of it. Yeah, I think Steven's power of friendship is stronger than Noah's as well, given the scale of people he's befriended. So I would say that this is the 10 0 Steven. Yeah, I think that Noah and Steven could be friends, though. Oh, I mean, Steven's friends with everybody. So that's like, you know. And so is Noah. They're good boys. They would be perfect friends together. Uh, thank you they're, for that and question. And they're both Jewish. <laughs> you there? Didn't know what to say to that. Good. <laughs> All right, let's end the show. All right. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Chibi Flop, everybody. You can catch us uh, next week where we dive into this series in depth. 
I forget what I'm saying now. I am tired, everybody. I don't know why. Jordan's about to steal Billiam's line. Yeah, fuck it. I'm depressed. I'm never doing this again. Don't ever talk to me again, dude. Fucking this mood, is bro. your podcast now. Uh, no, check out our Discord. Come follow us on Twitter at Shonen Flopcast. Our YouTube channel is Shonen Flop. Check out our link tree. We got everything there. We're trying to make a Patreon soon, so that'll be fun. We got some merch for you to get. Hell yeah. Yeah, just reach out to us, though. We love to talk to new people. We love to talk to new fans. Thanks so much for listening, David. Did I forget anything? No, just thank you so much for listening, and I'm excited to read the rest of Red Sprite, in that I'm not, but it's okay, because we'll see <laughs> if this goes into zany communist adventure land. I, I hope so. That's really what I'm hoping for, but yeah, uh, until next time. Oh, and then, oh, 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 I forgot one thing. Uh, I David, love you too. Fuck, I was gonna say that, damn. I'm just too good. <laughs> Oh, we do have one last thing. Also, uh, one idea we're toying around with is having people submit their own six-word summaries. So if anyone listening has a six-word summary, feel free. Um, maybe we'll either do them in the chibi episodes or we'll do like a special. We're still trying to think about what we could do for like, uh, we're going to have an off week coming up in September. So some content that's not quite as time intensive to do because we still want to make something for you guys. But uh, that's it for me. All right. Well, then get the fuck out of here. David, say it. Keep on flopping, floppers. <laughs>